When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hi, everyone. I am Ikrash Guftachima, your host for the New Books Network. Today, I am very pleased to welcome Dr. Marco Codebo, who will talk to us about his super cool book, Novels of Displacement, Fiction in the Age of Global Capital, which was published by the Ohio State University Press in August 2020. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Codebo. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, Ikra. So to start our conversation, could you please tell our audience about yourself and your work a little bit? Okay, uh, about myself, uh, it's easy. I'm, uh, I'm a college professor. I teach Italian and French. And uh, my university is a Long Island University. It's a college, it's a private college uh, in Long Island, it's, uh, some 20 miles east of, um, of New York City. And what I can say, I teach a, I teach a lot of language and not too much literature as I wish, but right now, you know, in the humanities, in many colleges, it's hard to find enough students to teach. Uh, even the administrations, they don't want us to teach literature. <laughs> so, yeah, right now, I'm more a, more a language uh, professor than a, than a literature professor. Oh, cool. How do you like it? <laughs> oh, it's okay. If teaching language is always, it's always good because you put uh, uh, students in front of something they don't know, something that is completely... Hmm, completely new to, to them. And yeah. it, you help them to be flexible. To understand that the world, they understand the world is different. There is not just their language. There are there is a other ways to, to describe the world. So it's a, it's a good step. Thanks, that's cool to hear. Um, so tell us a little bit about the genesis of this work. How did you start working on this book? How did you get interested in the idea? So let's see. Let's see that first of all, I'm. I'm a great reader of novels. I, I, I read novels since I was, I think, eight or seven. I was lucky because I had two brothers elder than me. And so I could read novels for, for the next level. And so I, I grew up reading novels. And when I started, um, when I went to, to, 
to the graduate school in Santa Barbara. Uh, I I work for my dissertation. I work on uh, on a book on uh, essentially on a theory of the novel. I I worked on the relationship between the discourse of the novel and the archive. So how how novels can work as archive, and also how novels count on the archive for documents, letters, and, and so on. So I was already, let's see, both as a, in my personal life, and then as a, as a scholar, I was already oriented um, to study the novel. My, my, studying the novel was my, my goal. Now, let's say, in more or less, uh, it was 10 years ago, I was moving up. I was moving out of my research on the archives. And uh, the idea is that the novel looks for the archive because in the archive there is the, there is the proof or tr of truth. So the idea was that uh, the, the discourse of the novel is about the truth. Novels want to tell the truth about, let's see, human life. Mm -hmm. And a way to prove this is the archival document. Now, some 10, um, 10 years ago, I, I was starting thinking that the world was changing. So it, it, it was already changed a lot. And uh, I was I start asking, what about telling the truth now in this world, in which everything is so difficult because everything is moving, essentially. There is nothing stable. And so my first idea is to investigate the truth in the contemporary novel. Then, when I started uh, my investigation, then I realized that it made more sense to investigate the reason why truth is so difficult to prove. So it, it, made, more it made more sense to investigate the relationship between the novel and its own territory. So, um, or if you want, no, the relationship between novels and places. Since these relationships are so mobile now, so unstable, it becomes difficult to prove the truth. So then next step, we are displaced. I realize this is not only the novel that is displaced, it's everybody that is displaced. So the contemporary novel should be also about displacement. Okay. I, I hope I didn't take too long. Because in real life it took me a couple of years. So I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay, yes. Thank you so much for your answer. Um, that was really interesting to hear. And I completely agree uh, about just the displacement, the border, especially with like people moving around so much lately. So um, how would you describe this book to the audience? What are the novels of displacement? Okay, so the novel, the, the, the book is, let's see, yes. A good, a, a good, <laughs> way to describe just in a sentence is an investigation into globalization and into the digital age through the novel, essentially. Essentially, my idea is that I use the novel form to investigate uh, our world. So th this is in a, in a very simple, the simplest way to describe my, my, my book is this one. Now, how it works? It works, let's see, there is a Let's see, um, a discussion about the novel form. And that the basic idea is that the novel was born territorial because 
the golden age of the novel in which the, the novel form was, let's see, was decided was the 19th century. In that century, the novel was the perfect form to describe, to, to stabilize the nation state and also the family, the bourgeois family. So the novel had a very close, very, very close relationship with the national state and the, the bourgeois family. It helped these two formations to establish themselves in their territories. So the state, the nation, the geographical space of the state, and also the family, the house. Uh, so this is the novel. The novel form was born and bred this way. Now, the problem is that now the world is completely different because we are in the age of globalization. Everything is changing. The national state is in trouble. And even the family, the, the, the traditional patriarchal family, set in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a house is in trouble. So everything is moving, if you want, let alone digital technology. Right now, everything is moving. So the idea is to use our form that was born in a different age, the pepper age, if you want, is able uh, to investigate, is able to talk about a completely different time. So it's about the difference, if you want, a different form that still is working now. How can this, how can uh, this be? And so this is the basic idea. Then, of course, there are four single novels, four single novels that discuss uh, four kinds of displacement. If you want, I can talk of the four single novels. If it's enough, I stop. What do you? You want me to uh, go? Yeah, I think I have one more question where I ask you to talk about the examples that you use. Mm -hmm. So we can move on to the next question and then Mike, you'll get okay. to talk more okay. about novels. Okay. Okay. <laughs> cool. mm -hmm. So uh, the term that you use to start your conversation about novels of displacement is negative territorialization. And I know many of us find Deleuze and Guattari very intimidating, and uh, I am always uncertain whether or not I completely understand what they're saying. So I'm curious about how you describe negative deterritorialization and how does it affect novel and novelistic form? Okay, so this is a, this is the question. Yeah, <laughs> and of course I too find Deleuze and Guattari quite quite difficult to understand. That every time uh, I I always not so sure I I, I got them. But yeah. this one, this one about the territorialization. Let's start for first of all, um, um Deleuze and Guattari as um, they value, they value deterritorialization as something positive, as a positive movement. Because essentially there is the state. The state is an entity. Uh, a territorial entity, it means power. Now, against the, the state, there are the nomads. So the state is fixed, it's power, territorial power. Now, outside the state, outside, there are the nomads. The nomads are free, of course, because they can move around. The, the, the state is territorialized. Instead, the nomads are leaving deterritorialization. So power versus freedom. So they call deterritorialization as the line of flight. Essentially, it's the movement uh, that allows a subjectivity to become free. Now, it can 
and this is a problem. It can become negative. Mm -hmm. It becomes negative when there is a counter movement and mm -hmm. an initial an initial deterioration is stopped because power settles on a different territory. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. so it's a false movement. You start you start getting free. No. You are the, the state, if you want power, eh? uh, catch up with you and establish a new territorial uh, domain. To me, this is something that happened in our time because there is, a, uh, let's use a metaphor, on the surface of Earth, there is a kind of deterritorialization because it's true. Eh? There is a great movement around the world. There, there is no doubt that people are moving around much more, much often, and which, which a great, greater speed than it was um, just 50 years ago. And what is true for people is true for everything. Money, capitals, uh, uh, culture, codes, uh, messages, everything is moving. So, there is on the surface of Earth, there is a great deterritorialization. But what is the point? The point is that this movement is led, but mm, a very narrow elite of huge big corporation. These corporations have settled on a different plane. A different plane is software, essentially. What I, I mean that on the surface of Earth, we are, let's see, freer than, than we used to be. But as far as software, that is the plane where now we are living, now there we are not free at all because power in, uh, um, as far as in software, power is concentrated in just a few corporations. So the metaphor is we are living on Earth. On Earth, there is a negative deterioration. So a deterioration stopped because there is the cloud. On the cloud, there is the real power. So this is, if it's not too, too confusing, this is my explanation. No, definitely. That makes perfect sense. Um, so you cite a wide array of examples from around the globe in this book, with particular focus on four novels, as you mentioned earlier. Can you talk about the comparison between the novels of displacement in the different examples that they've used that come from different geographical locations and are written in different languages and the ways they reflect or address this displacement? Oh, okay. So, so I hope I, there are in um, there are several novels of displacement around mm -hmm. because I think that this is. This kind of uh, issue is, is present everywhere, of course. Now, my four novels, the first one is Novenoiches, is a, a Brazilian, a, a Brazilian novel. And uh, let's see, it's about, uh, I call epistemic displacement, because it's a story of uh, an anthropologist in the 1930s. It's an anthropologist, Welquen, an anthropologist from Columbia University, who came to Brazil to investigate indigenous people. And at the end, I don't want to tell everything because maybe somebody wants to read. At the end, he kills himself anyway. Mm -hmm. So the problem is what kind of displacement? This is important because Iria is displaced once, once, when he's in the, in the jungle because he understands that his science, anthropologists, help, doesn't help him to understand the people mm -hmm. around him. He's a scientist, he believes to know everything, he knows nothing. So this is the displacement I investigate and discuss. I think it makes sense 
in a in a nation like Brazil in the, mm-hmm. in, the in the context because Brazil is uh, it was a colonial state it became independent but of course the relationship between the, the, the Europeans or uh, the descendants of the European and the native population of course is a key issue in Brazil and so the novel discussed this point. The second novel is a Mexican novel. It's Daniel Sada, uh, it's a long title. It's Por que parece mentira, la verdad nunca se sabe. And this is, again, it deals with a crucial question. This is the question between Mexico and the the United States. Because the novel is set in a a fictional state just south of the Texas border. (laughs) And it's a state that is ruled by a political criminal organization. So it's an anonymous, an anonymous power that essentially uh, control, controls everything. But this organization lives on both sides of the board. So people are displaced because essentially they are under the pressure of this power that they cannot control absolutely. So the distance between people and power is absolute. People count nothing. They are displaced. They are politically displaced. It seems to me, again, that a discussion of this kind in Mexico, this kind of displacement in Mexico is crucial because, of course, there are there is a long story of this kind of problems. And also, of course, the relationship between uh, Mexico and the United States is crucial in the story, in the the history of the country. So this is uh, another example. My third novel is um, White Heat by by Sadie Smith. It's a great novel about migration in in London uh, from Pakistan and from uh, from Jamaica. So this is a kind of displacement that maybe is the easiest to understand. It's the the misplacement of migrants. And in that particular novel, what what matters is is that those migrants in London, they don't understand their historical situation. They cannot, they don't understand why they're there. What kind of forces send them there in the metropolis is an environment that is completely different from what, uh, from from the environment in which they they grew up. So the, this kind of displacement, and in the novel, this is translated in uh, that impossibility to understand the metropolis. The metropolis is a puzzle. Uh, they are lost in the metropolis, but they are lost because they, they don't understand why they are there. Essentially. Right. So it seems to me that this is a it's an issue. It's, it's in, it works not just in England, everywhere, everywhere, in every place in which there is Europe, in Italy, in France, in the States, wherever there is migration, I think that this kind of displacement is common. The last one, Zone, is about the essential history, the last like 400 years of history in the Mediterranean basin. And the way um, the, the author is uh, Matthias Senard, he described the history in the Mediterranean as a history of war, essentially. Continu- continuous, there is a continuous state of war in which people are forcibly moved from a place to another. And it's something that we can say that is, is going on even now. Huh? And uh, this is important because traditionally the Mediterranean is... Uh, the cradle of civilization. No, it's something different. It's the cradle of war. And uh, what is interesting to me is uh, the reason. There is this kind of perennial state of war 
because uh, there is a, a, a social group, male warriors. So it's essentially is toxic masculinity is the reason for the state of war because male warriors are always like I don't know like like kids in the schoolyards are always uh, are always fighting and their fightings involve essentially everybody innocent people who are who become innocent people who become victims of uh, of these wars so I I think you, you it's there are, I think four good examples because each novel talks about a specific displacement that define an area of the world or an issue like migration. So it's a good articulation of the main idea. Yeah, great. Thank you. Thank you so much for that answer. Um, and you already kind of addressed this question while you are um, answering the question that I asked you previously. But um, how do novels of displacement help us understand the contemporary world overall then? Okay, yes. Uh, let's see. I want to do something quite easy. They, 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 they help us because they are because they are novels. <laughs> and so uh, let's see, novels, what, those are good, why they are good? Because they don't lecture us about mm. the problems. They show somebody like us dealing with, uh, with the problem. So I think that Let's see, it's not easy to discuss displacement now because it seems to me that the common, huh? let's see, the common mood is that, uh, wow, <laughs> it's so great. We can do what, whatever we want. Mm. Is that this novel try to show us the other, mm, the other side uh, of the picture. And I hope they are good novels. I think they are good novels. So I hope that uh, people enjoy them in any way. Yeah? Since they are novels, they don't lecture us, they don't, mm, they don't bore us, uh, but they show people try to deal with uh, this problem. So uh, we can mm, essentially identify with people and we can learn, I think. We can learn a lot, much more than just reading a theoretical book about globalization in the digital age. Yeah, that makes sense, definitely. Thank you. So you also write about the difficulty of rendering a de-territorialized world with the tools that are informed by territoriality. And you offer globalized novels and novels of displacement as two possible solutions for this difficulty. And you talk some about the novels of displacement, but I wonder if you could talk a little bit about globalized novels and how do you compare them with the novels of displacement? Okay, so so th th this is a... Um, uh, a good question, I think, because it's another example. And so, mm -hmm. uh, going by example check can help uh, can help me to explain myself and hopefully uh, the the audience to 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 understand. So let's just repeat the novel. The, the novel form is used to do something to to situate a character mm -hmm. in a territory and to discuss about. Uh, how this, this this subject develop in his or her own territory. So the novel is usually about this. In the territory can be the state, can be the family, can be the place of work, but there is always this kind of uh, kinds of relationship. Right now, this is difficult because everything is moving and there are no borders, etc. Et now, there are two ways. 
let's see the bad ways. <laughs> the way that uh, there is a, um, the easy, let's see, not the bad way, the, the easy way. The easy way is uh, what I call the globalized novel. And the example I, I discuss in my book is uh, Dan Brown, Dan Brown's the, the Da Vinci Code. And if you remember any of Dan Brown's novels, these are globalized novels by default. I don't know how many uh, millions of, of, of books were, uh, were sold or uh, they, they did, I think, uh, movies, television series. So it's a, a real globalized object. Now, how this novel show the reader or how this novel show the reader the world? Uh, this is the point because usually this no in, in the Da Vinci Code, um, Diro moves around a lot. He goes to Paris, to London, um, and is a traveler essentially. Now, what is the point? The word in uh, in a globalized novel is uh, like a postcard. Essentially, the the the, uh, the different places in the world are a series of postcards which means that they are, they are not different at all. There are, all of them are the same because the form postcards make everything the same. Mm -hmm. Essentially, they are the same because it's the, it's the, the gaze of the character is the gaze of the tourist. And essentially what the tourist sees is a series of commodities. Something to, to uh, something to buy, uh, people, uh, places to say. Everything is stereotype. Everything is a stereotype. The Royal Fell, Westminster. So this is the, the approach to the world that we can find in the globalized novel. So a series of places for tourists. So um, the hero, even if the hero moves around, moves around, it's always at home because essentially it doesn't move. Culturally, it doesn't. Instead, a novel of displacement should should um, bring the reader in a very difficult situation. A good novel of displacement should make the reader uncomfortable, essential. So, the goal of the globalized novel, Dan Brown novel, is. The reader must enjoy the novel. Oh, it must be very happy. It's good. Instead, a novel of displacement should make us uncomfortable. But why? Because we should understand always the difference. And you should understand the difference through the eyes of the hero, of the character. We identify with somebody who is not uh, comfortable in the world. And so we understand. We start uh, hopefully to understand uh, the difference. So you go, we go to to the Amazon River. And you understand how different he is from us. How different are the people that I have in front of me? Mm -hmm. I don't see just a, a, a wonderful picture of the river, the trees, and so on. Okay, so this should be the difference between Ooh. the two families. Yeah, awesome. That's uh, very interesting. Thank you so much for explaining that. And other book that uh, I found was very interesting about your um, book, another point was how it has this polyvocal conversation. So you discuss the various contemporary artifacts like Uber or Amazon wristbands or TV series like Breaking Bad and Mr. Sunshine. And then you also bring in like the art installation by the Hoxas along with the examples from fiction that we just discussed. 
Could you speak some about this dialogical mixing of different examples and voices for this argument? Okay, so um, thank you for, for the question. Um, the, the first, uh, let's see, the, the, the first part of the question about Uber and about uh, Amazon uh, wristband, this I think is crucial because one, of, in my opinion, one of the reasons why, why we are displaced is that we are powerless. And we are, we are powerless, it means we are powerless because we are always under control. So it's impossible. Uh, power is always with us, uh, even when almost even when we sleep, essentially. But it's always with us, not just when we work, everywhere. Mm. Um, the example I think that the, the Uber, the, the Uber example is perfect. Let's see a, a, a Uber um, Uber driver. Uh, let's suppose that he's driving in his own neighborhood, or he is is uh, working in his on her own cities. So it should be in, in uh, his or her own territory. If not, because is essentially a slave of the power is um, always of uh, is always responding, answering um, to the Uber device that is in his uh, in, um, in his um, in this form to the Uber application. It's the Uber application that uh, tell him or her where he must go. And essentially it works two hours. For two hours is not in his uh, in his or her neighborhood. It's just somewhere else, somewhere else, because everything he or she uh, does is directed by, by, by the application. Marx wrote that in, in the industrial society, what is the difference? The difference is that the machine, uh, uh, the, the machine commands the, the human being. Essentially, uh, the, the worker is under under the command of a machine. In the previous era, it was different because mm -hmm. the worker was in control of his or her tools. Instead, in the in, in the industrial age, everything is, is different. My, now, in the digital age, there is a we climbed another notch. Notch and now control is it's impossible to shake to shake off control. Now, as far as the installation uh, and um, let's see, uh, visual arts. This is something that essentially I knew nothing before uh, doing my research. Then after doing my research on novel, I investigated around and I discovered that in the visual art there are a lot of works, installations, mainly installations, that are about displacement. And they are in the title of, of, the, of, of the work, there is the word displacement. There is not displacement in the titles of my novels, but in these installations, displacement is explicitly mentioned. And uh, these are, of course, uh, on a different level, again, they work wonderful because, in a wonderful way because they put uh, the viewer in the position in which he, he or she can appreciate uh, his uh, her own condition. And so they, I think they complete perfectly what uh, novels can do. In the realm of the visual arts, they are a perfect complement of the novel. Mm -hmm. Nice, thank you. So how do you suggest academics and readers approach this book? or build on the arguments that you have made in this book? 
this is a, a great question. I hope to find the the right words to to persuade my colleagues to 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 use this book in um, in the classroom. Cool, awesome. They see that the line. That's in the the line should be what I said that uh, to use this book as an investigation into. Uh, into into our present condition, essentially, this should be, I think, that the that the way to start to start um, the to, to, to the way to, to to approach this book. This book this book is a is a, a book that can give us uh, some suggestion about the way we are living now, and so uh, I think they should. Maybe a good way should be to to read the book. First, read a, a chapter about a novel. To read an example, I think that should be the best way, uh, but pedagogically, uh, because uh, I realize that, uh, that usually the theoretical, the theoretical chapters are quite, uh, um, usually are, they are not so attractive. So the best way should be to read a chapter about a novel and one and the and the, and the novel, of course, because really just the chapter makes no sense. So reading a chapter and the novel, and then uh, go back to the to the to the, the theoretical part and see if it works, and ideally to transform this theoretical part into questions. Because I mean, my idea is that uh, everybody should question um, uh, the way they are in the world. So my book. Yeah, has this ambition. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I think it's a great book to investigate the contemporary condition and the way it has affected the novel. And also, I guess, in some ways, how the novel has affected our understanding of the world as well. Thank you so much for this uh, very wonderful discussion about your book, Novels of Displacement, Fiction in the Age of Global Capital. It was so um, great to hear more about the work and how it started. And I look forward to reading more of your work in future. Thank you, Ikra. Thanks a lot for, for having me. It was a, a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.